welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, you guys asked for more of the critical text, uh, textual criticism type videos, and uh, there was one more that I definitely wanted to do, and that was discussing the Texas Receptus, because this is really at the heart of the controversial idea of, is the King James Version Bible the superior only best Bible. You see, nearly every modern translation that we have, except for the King James and the New King James, are translated out of the critical text. However, the King James and the New King James uses the Textus Receptus, and the adherents of that viewpoint, now you have to understand in terms of the the textual criticism, and we discussed this a few weeks back, the King James translational approach uses what they call a, a confessional method of translation or um, uh, textual criticism. So in, the, in that viewpoint, the idea is that God is going to preserve the text and he has preserved for us the perfect text and that is what we have. The challenge that we have to this viewpoint is there's nothing that says this one is descended from heaven on high versus any of the other one, especially when you look at what is classified as the Texas Receptus, as you hear. The first fundamental problem is the term Texas Receptus did not even come into being until 22 years after the King James Version, which originally was the 1611, was written. And the second is, to this date, there are, I think, 27 different versions of the Texas Receptus. Now, most of them are insignificant, and really what we want to discuss here is the differences between the Texas Receptus as a global whole and the critical text as a global whole. Because where the, where the deeper form of criticism is comes from the idea of adding or removing verses. You see, if you look at, for example, the critical text, and uh, I actually have here as I'm writing this video, I have before me the Greek New Testament. Now, this is the fourth edition. The fifth edition is out. Fifth edition is based on the UA 20, I think 27, 28. This one's based on the 26, 27. So this version of the Greek is a little bit uh, slightly older, but it is nearly identical to the uh, 28 and the UBS 5 that we have now. And so what I wanted to show you here is there are some verses that are lacking in this in this um, in this text. So um, we're going to look first at John because this is one of those big chunks that is missing. So in a John chapter 7 verse 53, what you'll notice here is that 53 has this double bracket around it all the way through down here, down through verse 11, where you see the other second bracket. Now that is included here because it's a large portion of text that is absent from the early manuscripts. And so they're included here because it's such a large portion of scripture. Other sections like this would include the end of the Gospel of Mark. Nearly half of the end of the Gospel of Mark is also not in the original scriptures. The, the original text that we have is defined by the, the, text, uh, the, the Texas Venaticus and the, the um, um, Sinaiticus. So the Vaticus and the Sinaiticus are missing those. But also we have about some 20 or so other texts. So one of them is over here at uh, Matthew. Uh, this is Matthew 18, verse 11. You'll see it's missing. It goes right from 10 to 12. 
And then down here in the footnote, you'll see a reference that uh, the Sinaiticus specifically uh, will omit that verse, and then they will tell you what the current accepted verse 11 is down in the footnotes. Now, those verses, if you get yourself a copy of the Texas Receptus, what you are going to find is that those verses are present in the Texas Receptus. And so with that, you have this argument. The King James Version only people will say, look, you are taking out Bible verses. Therefore, you are heretical on the basis of whoever adds to this or subtracts from this. You may all these curses be put in, you know, the last section in Revelation. Well, the problem is they don't have anything more than their confession, their creed, their tradition of man that says this is the one handed down, despite it's not the one handed down by God. Okay. And so they could very easily be subject to the criticism of adding verses in the Bible. So, which is true, did the Texas Receptus add verses, or did the earlier texts remove verses? And this is where the question of textual criticism comes into play. Now, first and foremost, let me just talk about this with these missing verses. The missing verses make up less than 1% of the New Testament, and none of them are seriously significant. The end of Mark is almost entirely in other places in the scripture, so it's not like it was made up out of absolutely nowhere. The section in John is not anywhere else in scripture. This is the woman caught in the act of adultery. She's brought before the people and Jesus is writing in the sand. That does not appear anywhere else in the scripture, and it is a large section. That is your only significant section. Now, does that carry with it any change in the doctrines of the faith or the gospel? No. So, whether you believe the Texas Receptus is the best or whether you believe that the critical text is the best, it doesn't really matter in the terms of theology. The problem we have is this, and this is my argument for the, for the, uh, the critical text. First and foremost, if you're just relying on the Sinaiticus and the Vaticus, you have a good argument because those texts, despite being large, they're also there is a lot of criticism about them. And if you suggest certain errors within them, we can agree. The problem is we have hundreds of other texts found after those two that are in agreement with them with leaving those out. So at the introduction to the, um, to the Greek text, you'll see here this list of all of these different texts. These are all texts or fragments of texts that are all in complete agreement with omitting those verses. Now that's textual criticism, but let's look at one more faction from history, and that is reading the ancient church fathers. It has been said that if you were to just take the whole of the ancient church fathers, you can do a pretty good job of reassembling the Bible. None of those omitted verses are found anywhere in the early church fathers, suggesting they have been added to the text for clarifications or other reasons down the road. Does that make them heretical? Does that make them subject to the curses in Revelation? I do not think so, because there's no real changes in the gospel. There's no real changes. So I do not care which one. I'm not going to say that this one is superior over this one, and that one's heretical and not. I have them both on my phone. I refer to them both from time to time as I'm doing my study. It's just that as far as good small copies, I like this one. I like the critical text better. 
Uh, it has everything that I need, but I am not opposed to the Texas Receptus. My main qualms with the King James Version Bible is that A, it uses outdated language where the actual words have changed definitions over the years. Okay, and the uh, and that's the really my primary reason. And B, there are known textual errors in the translation, and some of those have been retained in the New King James. None of these are major things, but things like you know, if you look at the difference between the same Kings and Kings and Chronicles, some of them list different years that are actual errors in the text translation. That's Old Testament. Also, there's one verse in Job, and I forget which verse it is, in the in the, the modern texts that we have, of course, we're in, not in the Greek anymore, we're in the Hebrew, but the way it's modernly translated, in the King James it says, I have sinned, O God, and in the the corrected text, it says, if I have sinned, O God. That is a significant difference. One of them is Job declaring I am a sinner, and the other one is saying, God, if I've sinned, show me where. Search my heart and know me, O God. That is really the difference. I do not think King James is a bad translation. I just don't think it's the best translation for our modern world because languages evolve so much. There's no significant difference in the theology with a good modern translation in the King James. We're not going to get any of those. We do get a lot of the Old English words. We get a lot of words with different meanings, and that is why I'm not a huge fan of the King James. Although translation-wise, as far as using it and understanding it, I do not see a problem with it. But all this boils down to that age-old question, is the Texas Receptus the handed down one from God? And I actually wanted to address that at a little bit at the end here, because I did make a statement earlier saying that, that the, uh, the Texas Receptus as we know it um, didn't come until much later. So here's just a, a brief breakdown. So the King James, uh, which is the 1611 edition, it wasn't the King James handed to us, uh, that's an edit from the 1611. That came down to us from Beza's 1598, which is very similar to the Estian 1550, very similar to the Erasmus 1522. Now, Beza says he did not use Erasmus's text, but it is nearly identical. Beza's 1565 text is what was used for what is called the, the Elsevier 1611. This is the original text that was called the Texas Receptus. Where did it come from? It was actually a marketing ploy. Uh, as uh, this gentleman here on the Berean Patriot says, the name Texas Receptus comes from the preface of the 1611 edition of Abraham and Bonachor's Elevar Greek text. The relevant portion says, Textum ergo habitus noctus ad omnibus receptum, in quo nihilum immutum ont corruptum damius. Roughly translated, so you hold the text now received by all which nothing is corrupted. The two words, texum and receptum, were changed to the, uh, the direct subjective nominative case, Texas Recepticus. It was literally a marketing ploy to say, this is the unedited change of God, which is a derivative of 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 text of text of text. Is it bad? No.
Because here's really the, the thing. These are all classed under the, the majority text and the Byzantines. So the, the, um, the Textus Receptus is a class division under the Byzantine texts, which were mostly unchanged for hundreds of years. Again, we covered previously in, in uh, earlier videos why this is significant, but let me just briefly summarize here. First few hundred years, heavy persecution in the church. Things, you know, texts of scripture were burned when they were found. After 300, when Constantinople um, uh, conquered, uh, was it Rome he conquered? I forget. Wherever he, he came through as conquering king, he legalized Christianity and even made it a state religion, which meant for hundreds of years, the church was not being persecuted for the scriptures, and so the scriptures were able to be carried forth. So, from the period, from, from the time they were written up to around 300 to 400 AD, there may have been some small changes here and there, and we have very few texts remaining, although hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more have been discovered since the original critical text in the 1800s. All of them, all of them are in agreements with the critical text. The Byzantines, uh, after that period of time, they also were they were also were very consistently throughout. Of those are the ones we have thousands of, and those ones are all in complete agreement with each other as well. Near complete agreement, we should say, as long as they weren't not of the Western branch, which we discussed. The problem is from the that original writing up to three hundred, lots of persecution. This is why we don't have thousands and thousands. We have fragments and fragments. The problem is all of those fragments agree in the concisive whole of what we have of the critical text in omitting certain verses. And the Byzantines, after it was legal to not only uh, transmit the scripture, but to expound on the scripture, this is where we start seeing a few of these small minor additions. And may I emphasize again, minor. They do not change the text. But if you ask my opinion, based on the early church fathers and the hundreds of extra manuscripts that we now have, I still agree that the majority, the, uh, the majority text adds extra things. The Byzantines will add some extra things that are not in the current critical text. That's why I prefer the critical text, although I am not about to declare the other one as heretical, uh, worthy of the curses of Revelation. We have to have a little bit more grace than that in understanding the uh, the realities of, of the scripture and, and the fact that we're carrying on for thousands of years um, our sacred scriptures. I don't think either one of them is, is horrible, and I hope that that helps you in formulating your own ideas about the original text. Thank you for watching, and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com. <laughs>